this this is a harmonic beat. Grace and peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of I Saw the Lord. My name is Brandon, and I wrote a book called Burden of Proof, Using Known Concepts to Reveal Eternal Truths. The point of the book is to provide evidence for God's existence, but more importantly, communicate the gospel. I'll be joined by my brother Jamel, and together we'll go through each chapter of the book. You'll learn, you'll laugh, but hopefully you'll see the Lord as well. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of I Saw the Lord. It's your boy, Brandon. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, last couple episodes, I had uh, some special guests. Um, if And I know like on the order on iTunes, it's probably like out of order, like it's showing different dates. But the last ones that I released uh, this last week was with uh, David. Um, we were talking about why do we perceive color? Um, that's one of my favorite ones. And then even I think the week before that was me and KO um, talking about why do people create um, art? So I'm glad I was able to have some special guests on the show just to dive in, uh, just get some other perspectives. Um, but even though I, I'm glad to have those special guests, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely glad to have my brother uh, Jamel back with us uh, today. I'm going through concept number uh, 29. Why should we? honor a contract um so i'm extremely uh, grateful to be with my brother here um today uh but how you doing man i uh, talk to the people it's been a minute you had you had a good week what's good what's good um man the week we were talking a little bit before we um got on the podcast man it was it's been crazy man yeah crazy busy um but guys been faithful though um really been working on the inside of me um really um been learning that he's more concerned about things going on inside mm. and things going on outside the chaotic situation. He's more interested in working on me. So mm. it's really been humbling to see that and just see what guys doing. Even though stuff is crazy, um, I could just see the changes he's making in people around me. Um, what is he doing through my wife? Her business is growing. Mm. Um, it's just some beautiful things I see God is doing and just being here to do this again. I mean. I'm just as grateful to be here to do it, man. This is a cool opportunity, man. And I just respect your um, courage and jumping up, doing it, and putting your work out there. So I'm always humbled to be here to do it. Um, no doubt, man. How about you? Though? Nah, I've been good. It's been a busy week. Uh, tomorrow, um, be uh, I spoke about it the past couple of weeks, but tomorrow I'm actually preaching for the <laughs> second time. Um, so I'm excited about that. So I work today, and all I'll be doing is just because I actually, and shout out to my guy, Nate. <laughs> Um, shout out to my guy, um, Dimitri. He's a co-worker who works with me, who uh, started checking out the podcast. I definitely want to make sure I shouted him out. Um, just having good conversations with people, um, not like yeah. beating them upside the head with the Bible, but just having just real organic, organic conversation. And just me and my, my guy, Dimitri, just been talking, just having real conversation, not yeah. a... a uh, me looking down on him or whatever the case is, but just having real good, honest conversation and just being real with one another. So I just want to shout out my guy Dimitri, um, my guy Avery as well. Um, just, just having, just God has been uh, blessing me just to have conversations with some good brothers um, who may not necessarily agree with me, but uh, listen, uh, willing to just hear me out. Yeah, um, and we hear each other out that we both listen. <clears throat> I think that's a lost art, just listening to someone, um, despite whether they agree or, or disagree with you. So I just want to shout those brothers out. Um, I got um, Dimitri 
and um, Avery. But what I was saying before is just uh, me and Nate, uh, Nate Williams at church. I'm putting your whole government out there like that. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, we were practicing because he had to preach at a church last week. And so we were just, just talking about just, man, how scary it is just being up before people um, and just wanting to come correct and not just coming correct in the technical aspect. But this is, you know, an endeavor of me preaching God's word. It's not mm-hmm. just some speech that I'm given, but I'm, I'm expounding on God's word. This is a matter of life and death. And most people who know me know I'm like super reserved um, and everything. But um, to preach, you, you can't necessarily be reserved. You have to show some um, some fire, some passion. So just praying that God is with me, mm-hmm. um, that that fire that I have, um, hopefully you can see that fire when I have, um, when I'm on the podcast, I can um, have that same um, enthusiasm and passion when I'm preaching, that it's just not me like, you know, straining to remember what I wrote and it comes off robotic. So um, mm-hmm. just keep me lifted up. Um, but I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to uh uh to do that tomorrow i'm also excited that you know we, we got a little uh um, ncaa tournament thing going you know uh i think Bracket keith is, is uh is, is in the lead you know <laughs> arizona and virginia i was gonna text y'all last night but it was, was like too late, late. i'm like shocked, i'm bro. glad i'm glad everybody picked virginia so it doesn't hurt us too bad yeah. um but like come on like they lost rich. to a community college bro I didn't even. Well, it was like it was like Maryland County or something like that. Oh, shout out to County. shout out. I, I can't even remember the acronym. It was like four letters. I was like, usually it's U-M. like three. Yeah, you. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. I, I've never heard of them, but they was killing. They was killing. Dude, Lyles, I think twenty eight points. He was killing. Um. So so yeah, March Madness is going on. So yeah. getting to watching little uh, basketball. Yeah. Um and everything, but but like I said, just staying busy. Um. Just uh-huh. just trying to trying to be faithful. You know that that's all I'm trying to do, uh, um, uh, and 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 just glad to to be here. So thank you guys for listening yeah, no, um, no, no, no. And, and um tuning in. But we're gonna jump right into uh, concept number uh, twenty nine. Why should we honor a contract? And again, some of these titles or the questions they may seem like I'm coming out of left field. But hopefully it just piques your interest and to try to see, like, yo, where is this dude going? Mm-hmm. And if, if I can just get you there, like, yeah. I'm trying to understand where he's going. And once you get where I'm going, it'll make all the sense in the world. But I just got to get you to get you yeah. get you to peek through the door. And then once you go through, it'll it'll make sense to you um, because we all understand what a contract is. I say in today's excuse me, today's society, yeah. contracts are seen in every facet of life, business, schools, hospitals, all use contracts in some shape or form. Basically, a contract is an agreement, uh, an agreement creating obligations enforceable by law. So my first question to you, can you think of a time where you've had to uh, sign a, a contract of some sort? Man, like a, a few times, bro. Mm-hmm. Just um, in my job, we got to sign contracts to show that we're going to be committed to um, mm. working um, this certain amount of time. Um, me and my wife, like about a going on about two years ago, mm. signed like a contract for a mortgage for um the home guy blessed us with. Um, thinking about going to school, you got school loans. Mm. Make you sign a promissory you note, know, like the word <laughs> promise to pay back is in that word right there, like promise to pay back. Now, when it comes to paying back, we have our own things. <laughs> like we do our we do different things and we're blessed in different ways, hopefully to get it all paid. But I mean, that thinking about that, I mean it's a. I think about a lot of different buy a car, bro. Like mm. they make you sign a contract, and you when you sign it, you don't realize like I'm signing five years yeah. of this away. Like mm-hmm. I'm signing like all this away. Like you think about it, you look at this shiny car, you like, well, yeah. I'm not thinking about how 
much I'm committing to. Man, I think that's moment. a key word, yeah. committing. Yeah. Committing to You're something. Committed. I think if yeah. there's a big word within that uh, uh, the idea of a contract, that commitment yeah. to something yeah. or yeah. someone else, usually you hear um, when you, especially for a mortgage, it's like yeah. you're signing your life away. Did you feel that way when you like signed a mortgage for your house? Because like I don't know how long it is, but I think it's like fifteen to thirty. So it's like, oh man, that's that's a long time. We did thirty, but I mean, mm-hmm. how old were me and my wife? We was like twenty five and twenty four. So like, <laughs> we're not thinking about mm-hmm. that. We yeah, we was like twenty five and twenty four, going on twenty six, twenty five. Yeah. Like so, we're not thinking like that. Mm-hmm. We like it's a house. Yeah, like, yeah. So we not. We weren't thinking in that way because, like, I mean, just hearing stuff. People, I mean, we're just going to go into what we're talking about. You commit to paying a house Mm. for 30 years, but then six years down the road, you Mm. might see something new. You like, I need more space. I need to go here. I need to go here. We move on from these contracts. Mm -hmm. And we somewhat, and there's points in contracts where you break commitments. So. Mm. That goes to yeah. yeah, and I say um, in in understanding this, uh, one should be careful of signing any contract because, like you said, the, yeah. the, there's requirements. Yeah. Uh, uh, di- uh, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. I say uh, signing a contract is legally binding; therefore, yeah. one is required to hold up their end of the deal. I say contracts are most notable um, in sports. Annually, one hears about a player who signed one of the biggest contracts um, in history. Generally speaking, they're being paid to perform. The athlete promises to perform, and the team promises to pay. So I say it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Now, both of us, uh, we we like sports. Yeah. Now, out of all the professional sports, what would you say which uh, which uh, sports has the best contract? Just looking at the landscape of um, professional athletics at this point, just based on the star power and like the way that the leverage that these guys are getting, I would say like pretty much like NBA players. Mm-hmm. NBA players got crazy leverage. They're marketable. They making money outside. So like their contracts are like, I mean, baseball players make a lot of money. That's what I was contract. about to go. That's what they I make a go. lot of money, but <laughs> the amount of like, it just don't seem like they have the leverage. The NBA players, NBA players mm-hmm. like hold like ownerships and teams hostage. Like LeBron James got like multiple teams hostage on their salary <laughs> cap. They just waiting to see what he gonna do. They ask him a question, he won't even answer. So like. These guys have leverage in the amount mm. of like income they're able to put, and if they use it well, that they're able to put aside for their families. Yeah, it's amazing. NFL. I mean, nobody's feeling sorry for somebody making millions of dollars mm-hmm. to play a sport, but like, there it's so many like that. The way that you can just look at the offseason and how they're just cutting people loose, yeah. guys that've been there for years, like snip, snip, like my. Yeah, team. I think and Dominican Sue about and to get Dominic cut, and he was like snip, the most snip. dominant uh, DT. Uh, Panthers getting rid of guys that's been there nine years. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we can't pay you no more. Yeah. yeah, like so. I mean, they're breaking these bonds <laughs> and these contracts that are signed. That I'm committing to pay you this amount for this amount of time if you perform. As soon as you get to a certain age, yeah. you stop performing away, and I can't. And you're not beneficial to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You can go. So, nah, that's mm-hmm. real. And because yeah. that's what I was thinking. So I was thinking based because I know, um, dude, Stanton. I was yeah, looking at yeah. his contract. It's like ten years, three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. <laughs> and it's like, and I and I, I kind of feel what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Where I don't know how much leverage the MLB players have, or like, especially. I think it's uh yeah to the Yankees. Yeah. Um, as far as it's not as popular, but it's like who cares about popularity? Yeah, when you're get, when you get you're that money. Yeah. Um, but you get locked up for that that long term. So I was just thinking the amount of money 
yeah. that the baseball players make, but maybe you're NBA right that the NBA is over time. Mm-hmm. Like you get five years, two hundred, then you get five more in your mid mm-hmm. thirties. But they ten years over. Th- they yeah, got the ten years. I mean, yeah, they, they shouldn't have learned. But money. I mean, million dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> talking about it for people that just we the regular job guys. But nah, nah, that's <laughs> right. Um, but but how you? I think you hit it right on the head. It's like when you um uh, enter in the contract with someone, it's important that both parties hold yeah. up the end of the deal. Um, cause I say, uh, when, when, uh, when it, when, uh, what I say the breaking of any contract results, yeah. um, and consequences. Um, but I say contracts are not only between two individuals or two businesses. Uh-huh. I say historically yeah, yeah, yeah. contracts, uh, were between governments and nations. These contracts were known as, uh, treaties okay. and I'm not the, the biggest history person, but for the purposes of writing this, I did a little um, research and whatnot on treaties and this, that, and the third. I know previously you've told me that you, you know, you're a National Geographic's guy. You, you're yeah. into your history. Are you familiar with any like a uh, historical treaties um, um, throughout history, whether American or European or any kind of a treaty that you you've been aware of? Yeah, for my history, yeah. Um... I really like, I am into like American history and different things. Like if mm-hmm. I did have to look up some stuff, cause that's not a place that, yeah. a point of history that I ever like dig into and mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, let me get out more yeah. of the juicy kind of <laughs> stuff. I did look up some like, um, it was like the North American Free Trade Agreement. Okay, what's that one? That's, um so that's a, about 30 years ago, um, it's a contract and a trade agreement that like um, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico went into, mm-hmm. and they broke down like and eliminated some tariffs, like in order to like make trade between the countries more, um, ec- more economic, mm-hmm. more efficient. Yeah. Um. So like that pretty much looks like it changed the relationship between the borders. That now we got some different things <laughs> going on that I'm not really fully adept at with that when I say borders, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. But I know at that time, yeah, yeah. the point was to make it more beneficial for North America as a whole as we trade so we can be an economic power yeah. across the world internationally. Now, I'm not super adept at it, but I know they done went through a lot of constitutional amendments on it, yeah. just changing it different ways is gonna benefit America looks to benefit itself in that. But, I mean, I know that's one that I looked up and I saw that's pretty recent. Yeah. It's something that probably affects us mostly mm-hmm. today. These te- these these treaties from years ago do affect us. Yeah. Cause like, if we didn't go into some of the, even I think about the, um, the Louisiana Purchase or something like mm-hmm. that, um, if we hadn't went into that, we would still be controlled by people over in Europe. So, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have the amount, like, we wouldn't have, like, we wouldn't have Louisiana. Yeah, like, yeah. the actual thing, we wouldn't have a whole lot of different parts of the country mm-hmm. if this hadn't went into yeah. effect back then because, like, it was owned by people in other countries. So, like, we hadn't went into these different agreements yeah. and commitments, we wouldn't have the land that we're blessed to have now mm-hmm. um, in this country. Nah, and the whole point, and I think that's great because the whole point I'm trying to get people to, to see is that contracts is not, like, some foreign thing that's been going on throughout history um again like the whole point it's a known concept we see this like i said just in everyday life we see it historically um some of the treaties that i found were the treaty of Versailles. and i've heard of it before i just never knew what it was um it says it's uh uh the treaty that fish officially ended world war one um the treaty of ghent um, ended the war of 1812 okay. um, and I say uh-huh. treaties are used are generally sign a sign of peace between two or more nations therefore the breaking 
of such treaty is a major offense. The breaking of a treaty is known as a uh, breach. I say in a 1758, a, a man by the name of Emmerich de Vittel wrote the Law of Nations or the Principles of Natural Law. The book consisted of laws uh, that the nations or, or excuse me, the nations in international community uh, universally abide uh, um, or accede to out of sense of legal obligation and mutual concern about breaches. Vital says these treaties concern. These treaties concern and bind whole nations and were the high and are the highest of importance. The breach of any of them infallibly rekindles the fa uh, flames of war. So breaking any of these treaties will result in war. So it was important that both sides um, keep these treaties. Um, so you see how important it is to honor a contract, especially in in those uh, uh, contexts. But the whole point is. You keep your word because if you don't keep your word, yeah, there's yeah. going to be consequences. Yeah. And again, we just see this historically. Yeah. Um, and I say uh, treaties go um, as far back as human civilization. I said the first uh, known recorded treaty is the Treaty of Kadesh. Huh. This treaty came 16 years after the Battle of Kadesh, which was fought between the Egyptians and the Hittites. And I think that's like super cool because especially yeah. me as like a biblical Bible nerd, like these are countries that we've seen yeah. in scripture. Yeah. You know, I've heard of the Egyptians. I've heard of the Hittites. But yeah. we see that even they had um, yeah. some historical <laughs> significance throughout history. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's necessarily any overlap of this battle in biblical history. But these countries are mentioned in Scripture, yeah. which, again, add to the validity of um, the, the, his, the historicity of, of Scripture. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I say uh, treaties are not some modern invention but foundational to human civilization. Mm -hmm. Though the Treaty of Kadesh is the first known recorded treaty, <clears throat> there were other, there were clearly other treaties that were made. Written treaties are the most easily verifiable, but there were many treaties that were um, made verbally. Today, a person's word generally counts for nothing. Um, however, in uh, earlier times, one's word was extremely imp important. If a person said they would do something, their word was their bond and even like even in today's day it's yeah. like my word is my bond it's like you know yeah, if yeah. i say something it mean i'm i'm going to do it now can you think of a time where someone gave you their word and they didn't keep it i mean yeah bro like it could be as simple um as like when we were talking earlier like i said i'm gonna be here mm -hmm. i beat it i mean i've done things i've had people like hey we're going hey let's go out to eat let's meet here at seven yeah you get there at seven it's seven forty-five, and you ain't heard nothing. Mm -hmm. So, like, something as simple as that—that that can like break trust, that yeah. can mess with relationships, that can um, just do a lot of things to the psyche of a person. Um, when you sit there and like, okay, um, and if it happens one time, you kind of like, okay, what's the, what's the excuse? But like, if you do that more than once, mm -hmm. like, you trust and you can't really like anything this person says to you, it don't really hold no weight. Yeah, the value of it seems to this to decrease because you're like, okay. You telling me this, but all these other times you didn't do it. You mm -hmm. told me you was gonna be here. You told me you was gonna commit to this, but you didn't do it. Yeah. So like, how can I trust you? Yeah. What about has there been a time where you gave somebody a word and you ain't keep it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Some like wife was like, "Hey, bro, you about to?" She's like, "Um, I need you to do what? Was, what is, like, I need you to do these dishes, or I need you to clean that up." Yeah, I got you. I'm gonna do it. Nah. Come back home here, knock her, get in the drywall. Like, oh snap! <laughs> Got to really do it. So yeah, 
definitely have been on the other side. So I can talk about it and be like, yeah, people. But yeah, I've definitely been on the other side of like not holding to. Mm-hmm. I try my best if I say I'm gonna be somewhere at a certain time, I be there. And if I'm not, I let you know. Yeah. But yeah. like, I've definitely that doesn't make me not. I still got to stick in the wood yeah. in my own eye with that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've said something. I know yesterday I was working like when I work at my job with the kids. I told them I'll be there to go talk to you, but then something else happens and mm-hmm. I can't show up. So you don't know what that kids had before and what's affecting them. So you got to mm-hmm. be very careful, like promising yeah. to do things. Because I mean, you don't want your word to like lose value and lose nah, respect. So that's that's real. Um, and when I was just going through and reading this, it, it made me think of because um I've told you got uh you before yeah. um but those listening um I'm into and it always sounds weird because it sounds super like corny when you say it but it's not like I'm a fan of battle rap um no. and uh. Just just that whole sport, and you can say what you want about it, where, you know, just the content is very explicit, but um, I see what they do as an art form, and I respect what they do. Don't necessarily agree with everything that they're saying, but uh, it's so easy for those outside of the culture to critique those who are in it. Yeah. But I'm from that culture. I'm from New York, um, so I, I understand it. Yeah, I could yeah, come yeah. from the view of I understand. Don't necessarily agree. Don't necessarily, you know, condone the things that are being said, but I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I understand it. Um, and as a fan of the culture, you, you just witness um, certain things. So I want to say it was last month, uh, these two battle rappers, and if anybody's into battle rap, they know who these dudes are. It was Jim's and this dude named Goods. Um, and they was battling. And they was going back and forth. Uh, and the whole uh, uh, culture of battle rap is just one of disrespect, where how can I disrespect <laughs> my opponent the most and they not were only just battling back and forth but they were talking in between each other's rounds which a lot of people don't like they just like the one dude to go and then the next yeah. dude to go and then not be any talking but uh the dude started talking and just said that uh it was basically a he said she said type of deal and without getting into the particulars just getting right to the main point goods essentially said um he made a claim about jim's doing something jim said no you're lying and then Goods comes back and says, on my daughter, I'm not lying. Yeah. Jim's responds and says, you're lying about that. Goods takes it as, you say I'm lying on my daughter, and then swings on the dude. <laughs> and so I get Goods' um, frustration because he said that um, the dude, Jim, said I was lying on my daughter. But issues, you brought up your daughter, um, number one. And then the other thing, the more important topic that I wanted to get on is why do we swear by other things like we we'll say i swear by my mother i swear by my dead grandmother i swear by something because the whole point is trying to get that other person to believe that i'm truly honest about what i'm saying but we swear on somebody else and it's like because i think even in scripture it's like say god say don't swear by my name you know don't swear by my name um but even god himself he i think and i i may be wrong but god in a sense say i swear by my own name you know and it's like Swear by your own name, not to say that you should swear, but essentially my whole point is that your word should be your word. Yeah. If I say this, then that that's I stand on what I'm saying. I ain't gotta yeah. put it on my wife, I ain't gotta put it on my daughter, I put it on me. Yeah. That I'm telling you the, the honest the truth. What are your thoughts about people who like swear by other things? And it's like and I I just think that whole concept is just so warped where it's like why you got to swear by yeah. something else? And not to say that Goods is a dishonest person, because I think it's just a cultural thing, especially in our culture. Yeah. We say, I put it on such such and such. 
and it's like put it on yourself Damn. you know but, but what are your thoughts about that because i it just made me think of that that situation and just like why we swear about other things I, my, my word should be That's enough true. you know yeah my thoughts are that um one first off i've done that before mm-hmm. like growing up i mean just culturally i've said like Hear somebody being like, I put it on my mom. Like you mm-hmm. put that, like you feel like that adds weight to it. And like if you say that, everybody's got to believe you. But growing older and continuing to do that, you start to see that the reason that we do that is some type of lack of accountability within mm-hmm. ourselves or choices we have made in our past that show that we are not really the stuff that we say or the stuff that we portray or what we're doing. That may not be who we really are. So mm-hmm. we feel like we have to add something to it and add some weight to what we're saying like oh i swear on my dead grandma like what does that really mean mm-hmm. like my grandmother's passed away like i don't know what's going like what like what does that really mean why do i have to swear upon something like my my word should be enough yeah yeah it should hold some weight and that goes to like your reputation mm. like and that's not even the reputation amongst people is your reputation with yourself like mm. you can look back because you're the one that looks back on your life and see like i've done this i've done that I've done that. So if I do this, I have to let everybody know that I'm accountable to it. So I got to make sure I'm swearing on something. I got to have somebody to come and hold me accountable. I need a person to speak up for me because what I'm doing, I can't speak up for myself because what I've done or said is not reputable. I got to like, I need something else. I need you to show. I need you to. We should be as, especially as believers, we should be able to say what we say. People should be able to look back on what we said and be able to like pull back the proof and be Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That man is a man of his word. That man is a man of integrity. Mm. But I mean, when we got to go to the point, it's not to dis- disparage the dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not at all. Because we all men, like as men, we've all done that. Yeah, we, exactly. Like, we've done that, but it's like, as believers, we should be able to be accountable to what we say, get it done. And if we can't, let somebody know. Like, mm. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this for you. My word should be bonded. We should be able to shake hands and do that. Yeah. Because I know back, like, you're, like, back in history, like, they used to shake hands for mm-hmm. deals. Like, I'm going to buy this car from you and I'm going to pay $5,000. Shake hands, we good. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you broke that, that was a problem. Yeah. Like, because that was what they did. That mm-hmm. was culturally okay. Like, it yeah. was like, that's what we did because we, our word means something. But, like, over years and generations and wanting to be instantly gratified, we probably have broken that by, mm-hmm. like, being able to just want it as quick as we can, yeah. becoming selfish. So. Yeah, thoughts can run deep on that, man. Nah. Like, it's like, why do we have to do that? Like, we should be able to, like, our words should be enough mm. for that. Yeah, two things. Number one, like you said, um, I'm actually a fan of Gus. I don't ever want it to come off as if I'm disparaging him as all. My whole point is just that cultural idea because we've all done it. We've all swore by something else because I think, and I and I wanted to do a little bit more study on swearing because I, sens- I think essentially the whole point is if I'm lying, whoever I'm swearing on is going to die or something to that yeah. effect. And that's why you say, I swear my daughter, because you wouldn't want your daughter to die. So that's yeah. why it's so significant um, of it. And so, um, again, I don't want to make it seem that I'm attacking goods. My whole point is attacking that uh, idea that I got to swear by something else and that my word should be enough. But that comes in a problem, truth and lies. You know, because if you say something and I disagree, who's who, who's telling the truth? So it's like you got to go that extra one step further to prove that you're telling the truth. And again, and again, that's a whole nother, um issue that we might we, we probably get to um, further down. But it's like you hit it right on the head. Just who am I as a person? Yeah. What is my reputation? I think one yeah. of the things that that makes me the most proud is not that I have to say anything about myself, but other people can testify on my character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things how me and my wife met, like 
we didn't really talk, but she was asking around about me, and people right. had good things to say yeah. about me. And I think that holds weight. Like, what kind of person are you yeah. that you ain't got to swear by somebody else that you can just say, yo, this is what I said, and that's that's enough. That's enough. You know, and it's like, it just points to, and again, we all unfaithful. I'm not trying to act like I've been, per I've perfectly kept my word in all times, because I haven't. That's the whole point that I'm making, that none of us are faithful all the time. Yeah. 100% of the time, none of us are, are, um, are faithful. But it just, when we talk about it, it just made me think of that yeah, right. um, that time during that battle route. Because, yeah, they started <laughs> fighting. And like I said, I'm glad things are resolved because a lot of these dudes, you know, they they come from the streets. And they trying to use battle rap as a means to not resort to violence. Yeah. And so when you see it in a controlled environment and then you see violence happens, it like it messes up business for people because they got to rent the venues, they got to do a list that and the third, and then there's animosity between the two that's outside of rap that it's more personal beef, and so it was a real bad situation. Um, but I'm glad things got resolved. Both of them handled it like men. Um, apologies were dealt out, but um, it just got me thinking on because it's just especially in our culture, like we yeah. always say, I put this on whatever the case is, I put it on whatever, and it's like. Nah, my word should be enough. I put this on me. Yeah. You know, that I said it, that's, I'm going to do it, or this is true. But again, like I said, I think the the, the yeah. conflict comes when somebody is opposing it. Yeah. It know? made me think of something how, um, especially like in now time, like, you know how Google mm -hmm. is, is on your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like somebody will say something, you like, nah, that ain't true. Well, you Google fact it. check it. You're like, Google it, Google it, Google it. Like, we should be able to be like, oh, they said it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they really like believe. It, like, yeah, why you gotta go back and check? Like, mm -hmm. unless you like, I know that ain't true. Like, <laughs> they saying it, they really like, yeah. Cause my wife has got me like, and she said something, and I go Google it. <laughs> I should be like, it should get bad because you'll be right. I'm like, ah. I <laughs> believe it. <laughs> nah, so that's, that's, real. that's a little something. Nah, that's real. Um, but we were before we got on that. You you were, were saying uh, an example of you being unfaithful, and you gave the example of marriage, and that's that's the next point that I make. I say, um, uh, it doesn't take long to realize people go back on their words. If yeah. we're honest, we all fail to follow through on things we promise. Whether it is showing up to an event um, we said we would attend or breaking uh, the promises of a wedding vow. Uh. I say many uh, don't agree with um, this, but marriage is legally binding. Some believe that loving someone is enough and that marriage um, is some government institution. Um, for many, the legality and paperwork of marriage seems unnecessary now have you ever heard that argument before where people who are living together they're like i'm not getting married because all it is is just me signing a piece of paper have you heard people like say that before yeah um i've heard that like um um on both sides like a person living with a person that say that's enough we don't have to do this like mm -hmm. we don't need to really make that commitment um to each other because like you don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. or you got that person that totally shies away that like uh-uh I don't want to give them my freedom. I don't want to make that commitment mm. because of what that's going to take for me. What am I going to lose? Mm. So, I mean, I think a lot of, um, I think that is something because you're thinking about what you're going to lose, mm. what you're going to lose when you make that type of commitment to another person. Yeah, because it's like, I understand their point when they say that marriage is just a piece of paper. But that's the whole problem is that you view marriage as yeah. that's your understanding of, of marriage yeah. when Biblically speaking, marriage is what a commit uh, a covenant. 
Yeah. If we could say, and I, I probably jumped the gun a little bit, a commitment. It, it is a covenant, and we'll um, talk a little bit more about that as we continue. But it's not just you signing on a dotted line, going and, and registering at the Justice of the Peace. It's more yeah. to it um, than that. It's a commitment that you're making with your spouse before God. Um, that's what y'all doing. So, um, it's, it, yeah. But once you take God out of the equation, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, there is no point of, of getting married if all I got to do is yeah. sign a, a contract. That's really good, bro. I know... Um and I don't know if I'm getting all my facts no, um, super straight, but I know I'm about to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know um, historically, I think I want to make sure I'm not butchering it, but I know they would jump the broom. Yeah, back in like um, I'm not sure if it was like in slavery mm-hmm. um, when our people were enslaved back in the um, back yeah. years and years ago. I know that a lot of times they would use jumping the broom and that would become a cultural thing that was culturally significant to um yeah yeah different like African cult African American culture because you would jump the broom and that would signify that this man and this woman are now joined together then mm-hmm. sign a piece of paper yeah yeah I mean they weren't able to mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to yeah, read that's, write that's and things like that but like that was what showed yeah. um and at that point you had to have something more than just a piece of paper mm-hmm. to show that like we're together like. I mean, marriage. Con- I mean, I understand the point of marriage contracts. Now, like yeah. our culture now has to show that we gotta have that because, mm-hmm. like now, people are just getting up. Like you put these statistics that people are just leaving, and I mean, different people not to beat on people that choose to be divorced. I mean, it's different situations yeah. that cause it to happen. But um, when you sit there and you make that commitment, I mean, you have to. There, you do say in your commitment. Some people may have different vows, but like you're sticking to. Yeah. When you say commitment, you're tying yourself to something yeah. you're joining together yeah and so just just yeah just that idea that if all your view of marriage is i just really love this person and i just want to be with them in your mind there's no sense in just going and signing a piece of paper but from a biblical lens it's more than that yeah you know your marriage is to be a reflection of christ in the church yeah, that bro. this is a commitment yeah. this is a covenant that i'm promising to be with this person for the rest of my life through the good through the bad no matter what it is that it's more than just that now granted people will say i'll do that but it's like no because in just even if you take god out of the equation i say this i say um those who feel this way are well-meaning but fail to realize the sacredness of marriage yeah. it's not sacred in a religious sense but in a financial medical and biological sense mm-hmm. spouses typically have financial interests in each other's cars or houses these assets are not shared with a stranger in the cases of emergencies one typically has their what spouse make life um decisions for them mm-hmm. also when a couple comes together and make a child they literally become one flesh marriage is about love but it's also legally binding for those very reasons marriage is a promise or commitment to stay with another person for the rest of their life a promise of such magnitude is inherently legal so these people who just live together and it's like okay so who who's whose name is on the car yeah whose name is on the house uh when someone when the other person gets sick your spouse is the only one who can make decisions on you if you're not married that person is just Joe Blow. They don't mean nothing. They, yeah. There's no significance of it. And then when y'all have a kid, that's another legal matter in itself. Right. So uh, marriage is inherently legal, even if you want to take God out of the equation. Yeah. But it's like, it's not just that. But when we res- boil it down to just that, and we fail to see that, what? No, this is a commitment that I'm, we're literally becoming one flesh with this yeah. other person. That in and of itself is legally binding yeah. um, uh, right there. And like I said, it's a covenant that we make 
with this other person. And because we devalue marriage so much, you were talking about it. Like um, most, uh, what I say, that because we view marriage this way, the, the statistics on divorce is crazy. Yeah. I say in America, there's one divorce approximately every 36 seconds, which is nearly wow. 2,400 divorces per day. That average out to 876,000 divorces a year. That's crazy to think about that people are making these commitments mm -hmm. and not keeping them. And I say this, like you mentioned before, I don't want to mention this to be critical of people who are divorced, but to point out that um, it's common for people to break promises. Because yeah. that's essentially what it is. Because even if you don't want to um, get married, you're promising to be with this other person. But it's like if there's nothing legally binding, you can just dip. That's and then true. you can leave this other person high and dry. And again, I don't want to sound misogynistic, but a lot of times it's the woman who gets, you know, the short end of the stick that she may get left with the kids or yeah. she may get left where she may not um, have the financial resources or this, that and the third. Or even if it's the other way around, yeah. it's like in divorces, not that I advocate it. There's some sort of what what which I came in here yeah. with y'all leave with, you know. Um, instead of one person just taking everything and the other yeah. person not having it. But it's yeah. like, if there's no legality of it, yeah. the other person is screwed. I don't think that's a misogynistic comic. I mm -hmm. mean, just leaving if you, not even just our culture, but I mean, just in America in general, you see a lot of that where men kind of, we choose to just break those commitments. Mm -hmm. and we like that accountability within ourselves to go and like, really stand to what we promised to do. Yeah. Um, if we do leave our wives or women in our lives and we leave them with the children or we leave them feeling like maybe leaving them with the house or money is enough, but then you didn't just leave them with that. You left you you left them with a lot of emotional baggage, mm -hmm. a lot of scars on the inside that can affect them. Like we don't see these breaking of commitments and promises. It doesn't just affect like things that are just tangible. Yeah. It affects people mentally. It affects people like in their functioning day to day mm -hmm. lives. So these promises need commitments. Like we can't like like you were saying earlier, like you can't take it lightly that yeah. you're just making like a prom oh just promise oh, I promise you yeah, like yeah. when you promise something like I promise my wife or I promise somebody in my life something like that really means something and if you're gonna break it you need to come and you need to be accountable yeah. for what you're doing so I mean that's very significant man. nah and like I said again I don't wanna knock anybody who has <laughs> been through a divorce I'm just simply making a point that all of us do not keep our words. Not, yeah, nobody, yeah, keeps their, right, so. nobody keeps their nobody keeps their word. And I say, however, the Bible accounts for one who always keeps promises mm -hmm. and covenants. And this is why I said I, I, I used covenant too early. But the the idea of covenant is the same kind of idea that a contract and treaty holds. It's simply you know making a commitment or uh, um, uh, an agreement with two parties. And throughout Scripture, we see covenants that God makes. Not just with other um, nations, but with people. Um, we see this all throughout um, scripture. We see that there's um, covenants that are conditional, yeah. while others are unconditional. And I just had this one question. Uh, uh, can you think of any covenants in scripture? Now, you may not have to know the ins and outs of it, but are you familiar with uh, any coven covenants that you see, um, that you've read or seen in scripture? I mean, I know God gave... Um that made a covenant with Abraham and mm -hmm. um, Noah, as you were talking, like you talked about before we even got on the pod. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know the verbatim of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to lean on your 
theological <laughs> nah, um, and that's cool. So. That's cool because the whole point that I'm making is that we see the paradigm of men who don't yeah. uh, keep their covenant, but we see throughout Scripture God is a God who makes covenants yeah. and He keeps His covenants yeah. with those He uh, makes uh, with them. Um, and one of the, like you said, there's a covenant that God makes with Noah. There's a covenant God makes with Abraham. There's a covenant God makes with Moses. There's a covenant that God makes with uh, David. Or the one with Moses is usually called the Mosaic Covenant, but it's pretty much for the whole um, uh, country, uh, nation of, of Israel. And then there's what the new covenant that yeah. believers like cling to. We talk about this uh, yeah. this new covenant um, that's seen um, in the in the New Testament, but it's actually mentioned in the Old Testament. Yeah. Jeremiah thirty one thirty one is the one the big verse that people um, uh, um, harp on um, as far as the new covenant goes. Um, but we see we see and the the covenants are, are are pretty unique where some of them are unconditional and some of them are conditional unconditional covenant means no matter what you do i'm still going to be faithful to yeah. what i promised you a good example is the abrahamic covenant uh the abrahamic covenant is the covenant that god made with uh, abraham yeah. um and this covenant pr uh pro god promised three things he promised what land yeah which is Israel. He promised that his descendants would be, I think, I forget, the, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand um, and the sea or something to that effect, where he just have a lot of descendants. And then the other promise that uh, God made with Abraham is that he would be a blessing to uh, the other nations. Now, and I always think, like, when Abraham is getting his covenant, He's probably like thinking like, what are you talking about? Because yeah. he doesn't see the realities of these promises. Yeah. It's his descendants who see the realities of these um, um, promises. And so you got to be thinking as Abraham, like, because he's just some nomad. I think he's from uh, the city of Ur or something um, to that effect. And God tells him, I'm going to bring you to the land of Cana. And Abraham's like, okay, whatever. He's yeah. not even really thinking. But there was <laughs> nothing Abraham could have done to yeah. have broken that covenant that God had um, made with him. On the flip side, there were what's called conditional covenants, where it's you do this and I'll bless you. You don't do this, I'ma curse you. Yeah. It was the covenant that God had made with Moses. And again, just just historical tidbits. So hopefully those listening don't don't lose me. I'll try to keep it brief. But it was called the Suzerain Vassal Treaty, and it was a common treaty in the ancient Near East. But the whole book book of Deuteronomy is structured as this type of uh, treaty. The treaty essentially identified two parties: the superior, the suzerain, which was God, yeah. and the inferior, the vassal, which was Israel. Um, these treaties um, illustrated to the vassal how much the suzerain God um, has done to protect and establish the vassal Israel um, who therefore owes submission and allegiance to the suzerain essentially the whole point that's being made is God is the one who brought Israel out of Egypt he's done many mighty works he's demonstrated himself to be faithful he poured out the plagues on the Egyptians because Pharaoh did not let his people go yeah, he brought yeah. them through the Red Sea he took them through the wilderness provided them water provided them manna yeah. <clears throat> all israel was supposed to do is be faithful to this god yeah. who had promised these things to them is that that's not you know irrational or anything to ask um that since god did, did these things demonstrated his faithfulness israel should be faithful to him and i was asking um you earlier it's like when we read scripture we see again 
and I was just doing a study, or not study. I was just looking over just the um, the plagues that happened mm -hmm. um, during this time. Most of us are familiar with that story, that story of, of Exodus, where all these plagues happen in um, in Egypt, where it's like Moses said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." It happened, yeah. and especially that last one, all the four firstborn are going to die. It happens. So you did just like picture yourself as a Jewish person in Egypt. You seeing God's mighty works. You seeing what He's doing to the Egyptian people. Not only does what He does to the Egyptian people, but again, most of most people who read Scripture, they kind of like you know look at it as a myth or just some made up stories because it talks about some incredible things that happen. It talks about Moses parting a sea, yeah. like that's again naturally impossible, you know. But it's like all thing like if, <laughs> if it's God who's doing it, then we take it at his as his word because what God has demonstrated yeah. Himself to be faithful, and so we don't necessarily have to see it, but we can trust that those words written down is what actually happened. And so you take those as as truth. If you what if you one of those Israelites walking through the Red Sea, and it's like yo. I can't believe this is going on. You in the wilderness and you see God providing for you. And then you read the accounts and you see what Israel was not faithful to God. And I say this, um, do you ever like look at Israel and like wonder like how they still rebelled against God, even though he demonstrated himself in such a real way with, with these miraculous signs? Do you ever just like question like, yo, yeah, Israelites was y'all was bugging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, of course I've questioned it. Um, just looking at it like, wow, if I saw that, mm -hmm. I would definitely be like, if I seen like stuff falling out of the sky and I seen like a sea do, do that, I'd be like, whoa, there's no way I wouldn't believe mm -hmm. it. Like, I mean, I question that with myself because I'm like, huh, what about the different things that I've seen God do in my life already mm. bring me through all these different things, which in themselves are a miracle of the same sense, but I question things or I do things and I'm unfaithful in mm. myself so like sometimes it's easy to look down mm. on them when you see that and you see that in scripture that you're like well how y'all didn't believe it what's wrong with y'all <laughs> but then I'm like you look at the same way we like they just had that part mm. they just had that we got the whole book like yeah. we got the whole bible we got these different things like we got like yo you have a chance of eternal life now mm. like but we don't really take that at its full value mm -hmm. and we're sitting there doing these different things. So, I mean, we can kind of look at them yeah. and kind of disparage like, oh, y'all, man, y'all spoiled, like whatever, mm -hmm. like, but like, nah, look at yourself. Yeah, and I think um, for just from my perspective and my opinion that Israel is kind of like the test case for humanity um, because most people are like, you know, and we talked about this uh, on the last podcast that I put out, you know, why do we perceive color? It's like people say, I don't believe in God because I can't see him. And what I was arguing is that everything that you see was created. Yeah. You know, this table, the phone, the book, everything that you see was created. You don't necessarily need to see who made it or them making it. You just consciously know somebody made it, you know. But we look at nature and we say, nobody made that. And it's like, but literally everything that you see was created. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole point that I'm making is that the Israelites saw the miraculous signs. Like, say God right now came down and... If so, atheist is like if God is real he'd show himself or whatever the case is and it's like God actually came and showed himself they still wouldn't believe it <laughs> you know they act like they would believe if they actually yeah. saw a physical sign and it's like they God showed himself in a physical way back in the Old Testament yeah. and in a truer sense in the New Testament where he came in the form of Jesus and people still denied him yeah. and so the whole point that I'm making is yeah. like they serve as a test case where it's like easy for us looking in hindsight 
to be like, yo, what's wrong with y'all? But how many times has God done things in our lives and we just continue mm. to be unfaithful and ignore him? Mm. So I think you made a great point where it's like God has done so many things in our lives to demonstrate himself to be faithful. Yeah. And we're not faithful. We can't look down on the Israelites and think, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. No, you would have done the same thing, probably worse <laughs> exactly. than them. And it's like, it's kind of hard to fathom, but it's like, that's human nature, bro. Yeah. By nature, we are unfaithful people, yeah. even even when God demonstrates yeah. his faithfulness. That didn't give me um think about a question to ask you, man. So like with these covenants, mm-hmm. do you think that um when God made these covenants, was it more so it kind of looks like sometimes it may when you look at it, kind of like, huh, why does God even have to do this? Like he's mm-hmm. a guy, he knows he's gonna do it. Is it more because of our fickleness and the fact that we like, yo, we need something like is it something we need to lean on, or mm-hmm. is it just like I'm just trying to like get that a little bit yeah i think god is revealing something about himself that he's again we've already demonstrated that man is not true to his word yeah god he don't have to make a covenant with abraham but he's demonstrating i'm faithful to my word what i said i'm going to do and so that's the reason he makes these covenants in the beginning with it he's because again it's like this the bible isn't a story about us yeah it's a story about god and what he's doing through us that again god is the the protagonist yeah you know he's the the whole the main point the main objective it's like we and this is um one of the craziest things um where jesus says eternal life is this that you may know me Mm. so many people think that you Mm. know um eternal life is i get to spend eternity in heaven and doing this that and the third but no eternal life starts now that i'm getting to know this individual and i think marriage is like the best paradigm for that because you want to know more and more about your wife you want to know her and it's like in the same sense we're supposed to know this person who's given his life for us that we know him more and more and more we see his faithfulness how do i know god is faithful Look what he did to with um, Israel by leading them out of Egypt. Look what he's done. He's demonstrated his faithfulness. That's why I can trust his word because look what he's already done. We was going back into before. Integrity. How can I trust your word? You've demonstrated yourself to be a man of integrity. Yeah. How can I trust God's word? He's demonstrated himself to be what? Faithful. Yeah. He's already proven himself um, to be faithful. Um, and I say this. I say um, if... If you are faithful to someone as God is faithful to Israel, what is the requirement for that other person? What what, what do you require of that other person? So you're faithful to your wife. What do, what do you require of her? I mean, you require it back. You require <laughs> it's, it's like it's not a trick question. It's, it's like, like I want it back. I want, I want <laughs> it, back. I want it yeah. reciprocated yeah. to me. And I and I say, um, I go back to the garden. And like I said, you read these concepts, you pick up on some common themes. Um, Excuse me. I, I always go back. Or a lot of times I go back um, to the garden. I go back to that scene where God does everything for Adam and Eve. You know, he, you know, gives them life. He puts them on paradise. You know, he gives Adam Eve. All yeah. he does is command one thing. He says, don't eat from the tree. Now, the obvious question would be, God, if you didn't give the commandment, they wouldn't have broken it. <laughs> but it's like God has demonstrated his faithfulness. Yeah. So if God has demonstrated his faithfulness to them, God will require them to be faithful to him. So therefore he gives them, he gives them this question to see, are you going to be faithful to me or are you going to be faithful to the things that I have given you? We all know how that ended. (laughs) What God or Adam and Eve said, we're not going to be faithful to God. And it's like, it's like, and when you have kids, it's like you do all these things for your kids. And then if some stranger comes along and just says, you know, 
come over here and just bribes them and, and it's like no you, that person has done yeah. nothing for you yeah. if you teach your kids don't talk to strangers don't do this don't do that and it's like this stranger comes along ain't done nothing for you and then can convince you when your parents have already told you hey don't do this I see, yeah. it's like why are you trusting this it's like why would you trust the serpent the serpent did nothing for you god did everything for you why would you what not believe god but believe the serpent. And again, it's like we look at that like, oh, that's not a big deal. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, we was going back earlier when we was talking about um, gems and goods. It's like when we deny, we don't trust God, what does it say? It says that he's a liar. Yeah. It's what? Impugning his character. That's why it's such a big deal mm -hmm. for Adam and Eve not to be faithful to God, to be faithful to a creature saying what? That creature was more worthy yeah. of my faithfulness, of my allegiance mm -hmm. to God. Yeah. How great of an offense is that to right. God to say, God, you, I don't trust you. You're not trustworthy. After he's demonstrated himself to be trustworthy. And you what? You trust this creature. Yeah. The creature ain't did nothing for you. Wow. You saying, God, you a liar. Oh, just your actions. Exactly. Like, I'm, like when I act this way, I'm saying this to God. It's like. You mm -hmm. really think that, man, that like goes back to just really seeing it that vividly that like, God show me this. I do this as differently. Like, just like what we're doing, how we sin now, same thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, man, that's a lot. When you, you got to look at the depth of that. Like, yeah. to the point where we're looking at the depth of like our sin, it actually hurts God, it harms him. We're calling him this. Yeah. When we sin and we choose these actions yeah. and we turn our face to the sin versus him. Yeah, it's it's, it's very heavy because you, yeah. you just read it and you just read it like, oh, yeah. it's just a piece of fruit. Yeah. They ain't they ain't kill nobody. They yeah. didn't do nothing. Do but it's what impugning said, the character of God. Exactly. He said, don't do it. You still did because a serpent mm -hmm. said, nah, don't you want to be like? Exactly. Don't you want this? Don't you want to be like him? Mm -hmm. No, like. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. how often are we guilty yeah. of that same thing? It's yeah. like we know who God is. And we don't trust him. Yeah. Essentially, we are impugning, indirectly impugning the character of God that we're yeah. saying, you're not trustworthy. Yeah. You're not faithful. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to lean into my own understanding. It's like, no, Bro, no, no, no not at all. And it's like, once you put it in that context, you see how massive sin is, the, yeah. the sinfulness of sin, yeah. you know, the, the depth of it. But again, you know, just God just demonstrates himself to um, to be trustworthy and faithful because and it's, it's really funny because um, in this chapter, I kind of argue for another covenant. So I talked about the Abraham, the Mosaic and the no um, Noahic covenant. But I believe that there was a, another covenant. I believe there was a covenant with Adam. Mm. And it's funny because I was in class and my teacher, he like completely obliterated that idea. He's like. <laughs> There was no covenant. <laughs> and I was like, I structured my whole chapter <laughs> believing that there was a covenant with, with Adam. And you come and you tell me there was none. And it's like, it's, a, it's an issue for debate because I, I cling to uh, Hosea where it says, um, but like Adam, they transgress against the covenant. And so I'm thinking Adam from Genesis. 
he says that Adam is actually a city and that it's not talking about the historical Adam uh, that had lived. And I was like, I got to do a little bit more studying on it. Um, but he, he was just like obliterating my whole idea that this was a covenant that was made. But I was like, it fits so nicely in my chapter. And so and I tried not to do too many things that were um, too controversial. And it's not it's not a huge deal because there's some people who do believe it's a covenant. Some people who don't. But it was just funny how I'm in class with my professor and he's just like just going to town like this is not a this is not a covenant or anything like that. And it's like in its context, because if you read it like the next verse, it talks about like the city of Gilead. So it almost makes sense. But it's like, why did why did why did the author use the word covenant? You know, he could have used a different word. So it just made me think, oh, there must have been a covenant with um, Adam in Genesis. But I'd have to do a little bit more study. But going under the pretense that God (laughs) did make a covenant with Adam, that he made a promise, because that's what my argument is. God made a promise to them. He said, if you do not eat from this tree, you will have life or you will have death or something like that. So he gave a condition and he would follow through on that if they broke the covenant. But yet at the same time, he made another promise to them after they had ate. And um, I say this before I get to that question, um, because we're talking about promises and all and this, that and the third. Um, What would you say um, is the greatest promise that God has um, given? Just in my own like opinion. In your own opinion. Yeah. 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 Um, I just like um, just for me, um, this um, Hebrew going in. um, I looked it up. Hebrews 13, mm-hmm. um, like five, um, where he talks about, what are we talking about? Keeping your life free from money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And I just think that um, Ooh, that's, that's, just, that's just very, 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 um, it encompasses a lot. Mm-hmm. Like God telling you that I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's like, it just brings a lot. It's, it's, it's very loaded. I think it's very loaded when you think about the fact that, like, wow, I really don't have to depend on money or I don't have to depend on this. I can really depend on him. That's literally, like, giving yourself over to God. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're like, okay, if I don't have to depend on this because you told me you'd never leave me or forsake me. Oh, like, if I have a child, I let him know, like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. You can depend on. They're going to depend. They're going to look to you. So, yeah. That's yeah. That's where I'm thinking. Like that just that's very. Whenever I look at that scripture, it's like it hits me. Not saying that I'm like all walking around knowing it, but figured it out. But it hits me and it makes you think like, wow, he never. I would never leave you, or forsake. I would never abandon you. It's like so he's with me all the time mm-hmm. when I screw up, when I'm good, when I'm not. So I think that promise in itself, like he made those promises are loaded yeah. throughout the Bible. But just seeing it in that context of like. Just in our culture that we depend, we make a dependence on resources and things like that to fulfill commitments and yeah. do all these things um, like we're talking about. But like knowing that God has promised that I'll never leave you or forsake you, even if you do mess up, yeah. even if you do break a contract, mm-hmm. even if you do these different things. That's very... Um, there wasn't a right or wrong answer, but I would agree that is probably the greatest promise that God um, has made because it encompasses pretty much all of the other promises that there is. Um, because what happens is that after Adam and Eve sin, God makes a promise that what? Through the woman's seed, she will what? Crush the serpent's head. So from the very beginning, people call this the Proto-Evangelion. And again, there's some debate on that. But I believe this is referring to the Messiah. You know, it's referring to that there's going to come a time where God is going to what? 
become Emmanuel, which is what God with us, God with um, us and clothe in flesh and walk and dwell among us and what defeat all of God's enemies, mm -hmm. death, sin um, and, and, and wickedness. That's and true. so God makes this yeah. promise despite Adam and Eve's unfaithfulness. God promises to be faithful to them so, by sending a savior. So how is that not? Covenant, if he promised that, like when you were talking about earlier with your professor, well, you? because it's it doesn't say covenant or anything like that. So, but if it's the same thing as a, as a promise, I'm trying to. Well, I think he's just talking about it like in the most literal the sense literal because sense the word because the there. word is not there. Okay. I think you can make those implications. Okay, you know that okay. they're um because then because like you said, then people go to the extreme, which you could still argue that um and we get real deep. That even before creation, that God made a covenant within Himself to what redeem uh, the world. Deep. That is, deep. you know, exactly. So it gets really deep, even <laughs> though there's an yeah. argument for it. Because yeah. in Ephesians it says, "Before the foundations of the world, um, He chose those." So even before God had created the earth, God had this plan of redemption. Making covenants with Himself. Yeah, so it's wow. like this is what I'm promising to do. That's that I'm right. exactly yeah. so it, 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 it gets it gets really deep. So it, it, there's no explicit <clears throat> mention to it, but it just it it gives I birth to ideas that yeah. I think there's a reality. I, I think the furthest we can go is God's plan of redemption was his plan from the very beginning yeah, yeah. because a lot of people teach which i would <laughs> call like plan b theology because the, and it sounds crazy now that i think about it because what plan b actually means yeah. um <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but essentially people uh i think are of the belief because israel failed to live up to what god wanted then he turned his attention from the jews and he turned it to the gentiles I don't necessarily subscribe to that because I think God's plan all along was to redeem all of mankind, Jew and Gentile, yeah, you know, so I don't I don't subscribe to that thinking. But because, again, most people think the gospel is a New Testament idea. The gospel isn't a New Testament idea or they say that Jesus is only in the New Testament. No, Jesus is in the Old Testament, too. Throughout He's yeah. throughout scripture. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, and I think that's what we was talking about um, yeah. Wednesday, where it's like. When, so often we read the Bible fragmentedly yeah. when it's like, no, these covenants are all linked together, um, that they're, they're, uh, the end goal is pointing to something, is pointing to yeah. Christ, um, that the whole scripture, and again, I think they call it the meta narrative. What is the whole narrative of scripture? We got to realize that these books were not written like back to back. They were written over thousands of years yeah. and then compiled into what we have yeah. as um, the Bible. And we see how they relate um, to one another. And they're all just telling this grand story of, number one, revealing who God is yeah. and then revealing who God is and his son, Jesus, and what he's come um, to do. And so God promises to uh, send a savior. And one of the other things about Scripture that's super remarkable and it testifies to its validity is prophecy. Hmm. And so I've always like had that, you know, man, what is, cause one of the prophecies that still have been to fulfilled is what, like what's going on in revelations. Mm -hmm. Like that's yet to be fulfilled that Christ is coming back. So 
God tells us here's a prophecy that we're going to see, hopefully, I don't know if in our time, but has yet to be fulfilled, yeah. that Christ is going to come back. Um, so that's an expectation. But there's prophecies that were already fulfilled and prophecies that we can see today. And one of the biggest prophecies um, was when I was talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. I had said, because again, uh, and this is uh, Adam is before Abraham, but we even see that God promises what to send a savior even back in Genesis 3. But um, the covenant that God made with Abraham was a couple chapters later in chapter 12. And I say he promised three things. He promised land. He promised descendants. And that he promised that he would be a blessing to the nations. Again, a Abraham is like, I'm just one man. How am I going to be a blessing to the nations? But we read, it says, and this is Galatians 3.16. It says, now the promises were made to a Abraham and his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, um, uh, but referring to one and your offspring, who is what? Christ. So again, back in uh, Genesis, God had in mind that uh, he would uh, be a blessing. What does it say? That uh, um, the promises were made to Abraham's offspring, yeah. not offsprings, plural, but what's singular in Christ. Um, and then what I say earlier, it was uh, mentioned that Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. This covenant appears to be a continuation. And I say from the Edemic covenant, which promised a savior. So that was the whole point that I was making that it promised um, some sort of uh, um, savior. The book of Galatians clearly teaches that the promises made to Abraham and his offspring, uh, not plural. One would think the offspring is Isaac, but in a true sense, uh, in a true and an ultimate sense, it's a reference to Jesus. I say Jesus is Jewish. Therefore, understanding Jewish history is essential to those who adhere to the Bible. And doing so, one sees a, a tremendous continuity between the books written uh, by different authors that span over thousands of uh, centuries. I say the promises made in Genesis are carried into the New Testament and are evident today. In regards to the promise, Scripture says, foreseeing that God would uh, justify the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, by faith, he would preach the gospel before, beforehand to Abraham, saying that you shall, uh, that in you shall the nations be blessed. Yeah. And so, again, the gospel is in the New Testament idea. Paul says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. This is thousands of years before Jesus come. Again, Abraham doesn't realize this is what's going on. But the gospel is what? That through Abraham's seed, through the line of the Jewish lineage, that what? There would this person come, who? Jesus. And that he be a blessing to many nations. How in the world is Jesus a blessing to many nations? I don't know about you. I just did my 23 and me, so I may come back saying that I'm Jewish. But you're not Jewish, are you? I know. You're, you're Gentile in all sense of the yeah. world. You're, you're not uh, of Jewish descent. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> we'll say, well, for the sake of argument, we'll say no. But how did Jesus, how is Abraham's offspring a blessing to the nations? What? You're the recipient yeah. of Abraham's son that was that's, a blessing to other nations. That what? At the end of the day, at the end of the um, time, every nation, every tongue will what? Sing of his praise. Yeah. God made this promise back to Abraham. That you are now a recipient of. That's legit. That God made this promise all the way back then. Yeah. Me and you are recipients of what was said. So we see what God's promise remains to be true. And I say this. I say, um, uh, even if one does not believe in the Bible and uh, simply views it as fantasy, one cannot deny it's pretty fascinating. Years ago, God made a promise to a man and his offspring. His offspring is said to be a blessing to the nations. Again, one does not have to believe in the Bible to recognize that what? 31.5% of people across the world identify as Christianity as their religion. Yeah. These are just objective stats yeah. because I, I think it's either 
I would say Christianity. I think um, um, Islam is up there, but I think Christianity is the most uh, people identify as Christianity yeah, as their religion yeah. across the world. Yeah, that this one man is what being a blessing to the nations, not just to the Jewish people, but the world identifies as Christian. Yeah. What? Because of what? Christian uh, Jesus is what Abraham's offspring. Yeah. A Jewish person is now what people claim a Jewish Messiah as their savior. Yeah. Not Jewish people. Like, it's it's kind of crazy to think about that. What? Because people, again, people will be like, the Bible is just some made up book or such and such. But we all know this was written before any of us were born. But yet we see what the promises that God made to Abraham are coming true. And me and you are living examples of this. Because mm -hmm. what? A Jewish savior, a Jewish uh, person is our um, uh, our savior. And so it's just crazy to, to, to um, think about that God is faithful mm -hmm. to his promises. And we see that lived out um, today. And just uh, uh, just continuing on with that theme, uh, just again, when we see faith, and I think just that paradigm of a marriage is so huge because yeah. we're, talk, we're called the bride of Christ. And it's always crazy how um, when we talk about people who are in relationships that are unfaithful, it's usually the man who's unfaithful. Yeah. But when you read scripture, and I think we talked about this before, when we see the book of Hosea, mm -hmm. It's pictured as the woman being unfaithful. Mm -hmm. And most men, they would not tolerate that. Like most men who cheat always beg the woman to take them back. But how many times if the woman cheat, the man is like, get up out of here. You know, <laughs> we not, we not, like exactly. We, we, we not willing to, you <laughs> know, uh, forgive or show any kind of grace. But it's like, exactly. It's like, but in scripture, we're pictured as the bride who has been unfaithful. Yeah. But what God still remains faithful to us. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we talk about uh, I was talking about the um, book of Hosea where it talks about go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. <laughs> and it's like, why would God command such a thing? He says for the land um, commits whoredom for uh, um, by forsaking the Lord. Um, this is a unique situation. Uh, this unique situation was to serve as God's faithfulness to his covenant people israel israel turned to other gods and continually demonstrated their unfaithfulness despite all god had done this is uh, similar to a woman who is married to a man um who loves and protects her but gives herself over yeah. to other men most men would not tolerate this most would want a divorce yeah. uh, however god does not divorce israel so but he um, remains faithful so is he literally like referring to like a prostitute or he talking oh, no. about like a woman that just lived in that type of city so like oh, that's no. a literal prostitute oh he, gomer it was a problem oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah she, she was a real okay. person that jose was supposed to marry and he did marry actually wow bro. um and and he's like yo why god why would you make me do this but he's like i'm showing you a picture yeah, like that what exactly okay. that <clears throat> this is to illustrate my love to israel that Israel has gone after other gods, prostituted them. Because we talked about prostitution before, yeah. and we connected with idolatry. You're being faithful to all these other people. It's yeah. just like the marriage. You imagine such an, I won't say your spouse, but imagine you're married and your spouse is giving themselves over to somebody else when you've demonstrated <laughs> yourself to be faithful. <clears throat> you've demonstrated. Yeah. Again, most men would be like, I'm out. I want a divorce. God don't do that to us. No. And that's why that marriage picture is so perfect because yeah. it's like, we give ourselves over to money. We give ourselves over to fame. We give ourselves over to every other thing. We prostitute ourselves out to every other thing that is not faithful to us. 
God is saying, I'm faithful to you. Why yeah. are you giving yourself over to these other things? God, because what we say, if someone is faithful to you, the requirement is that you be faithful back. Yeah. God is faithful to us. He requires it back. But yet we say, nah, I'm good, God. But yet he still remains faithful to us. And he doesn't and he doesn't um break it. I say um where where I go. I said the Bible is filled with uh promises God has made. The greatest promise God has made is to send a savior. Throughout the entire Bible, God affirms this promise uh through prophecy and covenants. Uh, one covenant in particular is identified as the new covenant. And this covenant, God promises to write his law on the hearts of people and to forgive their iniquities. He says what? I will be their God and they will be my people. This is covenant language that guarantees God will have a people who will be faithful to him. This type of language um, is in, Ho in Hosea speaking of Gentiles again, mm -hmm. that what? Those who are not my people will be called my people and and uh he will say you are my god so again going back to your point in hebrews that god is with us he ain't just with the the jewish people yeah. he's with the gentiles as well and this is what the promise that god um has made back in in scripture that he promises to what be our god despite our unfaithfulness god promises that he will be with us he has demonstrated himself he has sent um uh, a savior to die and therefore what there are millions of people around the world from different nations yeah. who say um to their creator you are my god god's promise thousands of years ago is realized each time someone turns to faith in him and then i end with this i say those who turn to faith in their creator are promised that what neither death nor life nor angel nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate them what from the love of God and Christ or our uh, Christ our Lord excuse me so again just starting with the simple idea of a contract yeah. that we see it in everyday life moving from a contract from business to school sports we see it historically with treaties we see it um in scripture that God has even you see treaties um, made Israel with other people, but God specifically made a treaty or rather a covenant with people in scripture with the nation of Israel. He's made promises and he's always came through on his promises, even yeah. the promises that he made where he was like, if you disobey me, such and such is going to happen. He's still demonstrating his faithfulness. Yeah. Cause he still said, "Hey, if you do wrong, what uh, Babylonia is going to yeah. come and uh, yeah, yeah. bring you into captivity?" That's actually actually happened. Yeah. So even in the negative, God still demonstrated that He was faithful all throughout Scripture. God is demonstrating that He is a faithful God. Um, so for those who listen, then just just we have to deal with the harsh reality that we are not faithful, yeah, but God is, and despite our unfaithfulness, God remains faithful to us. That He promised all the way back in Genesis to send a Savior. Um, we see that Savior comes through the line of Israel and that that, per that person is Jesus and that he is not just the Savior for the Jewish people, for the entire world, that we are our testaments of God's promise, that he promised Abraham that through your offspring, the nations will be blessed. Like I said, I did my 23 and me. I don't think I'm Jewish, but Jamel, he know he ain't Jewish neither. <laughs> so we are recipients of, yeah. of that promise that God had made um, to Abraham back in, in Genesis. So we we testify. We, we are living testaments that God is faithful um, and he is faithful to us. And that just spurs us to be faithful to one another yeah. and more importantly, be faithful to God who has demonstrated his faithfulness to us.
Uh, so that was that was all I had for for this week. I didn't know if you had yeah, any like, any additional uh, comments you wanted to add. Yeah, man, I enjoyed this concept, man. It's probably one of um, my favorite concepts. So when I first really looked at it, I was like contract. I didn't really mm-hmm. know how it was yeah, going yeah, up, yeah. but when you got into it, it was kind of like I could make that quick correlation to like breaking contracts. Yeah, yeah. Like the stipulations put in the contracts for you to be able to break them, mm-hmm. like because. There's there's reason that you're allowed to break contracts like mortgage and stuff, so like you can go and get another one, somebody else can get money, but it's just different. The fact that we go into these contracts and these commitments and yeah. these promises, and we're unfaithful, mm. we're quick to break and we're look we're quick to look for ways out, even though we made that commitment. Yeah, we want to get out. Like you get a car loan, you want to get out as quickly <laughs> as possible, even though you made that commitment yeah. and you knew what was happening when you first did it. Now it's not, and I'm all for getting out of car loan. Yeah, yeah for real. Like, but <clears throat> just the thought that you knew that going into it, like yeah. I made this commitment, but then how you made that correlation and how that God made these covenants and these promises, and you can uh, you can look at it and you can bank on that. Yeah, none of them he's broken. Mm. And just the that is just such a difference in us as human beings that we break our promises, we do all these different things to each other, and we have to look for ways to reconcile. Mm. But God's already reconciled mm. through Christ, so yeah. it's just it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture, man. That like God, He's made like He made them over and over again. We He made a covenant one time, like okay, y'all screw that up, make another one, mm. screw that up. I'm gonna give y'all the ultimate one. I'm gonna give y'all Christ, so that like even though y'all like separated from me through my son yeah y'all will be able to be with me and that's just a beautiful thing when you just look at that i mean and just tying it back man i always love how you go back and you are able to tie it back to the gospel so you always make jesus the hero mm. of these concepts man and that when you make jesus the hero of a concept of a book or a chapter man you always win so yeah that's what's up man no i appreciate that because like i said i try to make it in a sense where it just it's easy to grasp yeah and just for you saying like I didn't know what, what you was going in, but I was able to make that connection. Because like I said, yeah. the known concept is a contract. Everybody understands what a contract is. No matter who you are, you, you get what that yeah. idea is. I don't have to unpack it too much. Yeah. But what is the um, the eternal truth that is relaying to us? Yeah. Faithfulness. Yeah, facts. You know? And so unpacking that, that again, we, we got to deal with the reality. We don't keep our words. We yeah, unfaithful we people. <laughs> we are unfaithful For people, real. myself included. Unfaithful people. We've demonstrated ourselves to be unfaithful, but what God is faithful, and he has demonstrated himself through um, through Scripture, through the promises that he has kept um, with uh, those he has entered into covenant with, and we are recipients of, of those um, promises. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, that's super encouraging to hear that someone is able to get it. You yeah, know, like I said, yeah, yeah. I don't care if a million people buy it, but if a million people got, buy it and don't read it and don't get it, yeah. it don't mean nothing. Yeah, that's fine. But for somebody to get it and it's like, yo, because it's eternal truth. It's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Not only is it going to stick with you, but you could relay it to other people yeah, that even because yeah. I always find myself like doing this, like somebody will say something on TV and I'm always thinking how to relate it, you know, yeah. back. And, and that's what I want people to think, because that's what I'm trying to do. So it's like twofold. It's like. I'm giving you evidence of God. You know, I'm showing you these these concepts in everyday life. It's like yeah. God has revealed himself. He's not hiding. He's not hiding. He's demonstrated himself throughout yeah. throughout like I said, take God out of the equation. Historically, covenants have been made. Historically, if you break a co- a covenant, there's going to be consequences. We see in scripture God makes covenants with people. Nobody can point to someone who's always kept their promise. 
No one. <laughs> nah, okay. You can't point to someone <laughs> who's always kept their promise. The the God, the Bible tells of somebody who did. Mm, always that's... keeps his promises. Yo, just drop the mic right that... there. There we go. <laughs> <Drop> the <laughs> close us out in prayer. Drop the mic, go ahead, bro. Close us out. Definitely. Um Holy Father, we come to you and we um We just thank you, man. Um we thank you, Father. Cause you're faithful. Um even though we're not. Um you loved us through our unfaithfulness and we thank you for that. Um I just thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come um, together again on the podcast and the fact that you used it um, for your gospel and for your grace, Lord. Um, Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us, God, and how um, you're using this book um, that my brother has wrote um, to share that gospel. We pray that every ear that listens um, is able to pull something from it, God, that um, just relates to you and that just promotes Christ. We pray that we promote Christ through this and that Jesus is continually always steadfast and first um in what we do um when we talk and um when we come together um we pray to God that you just stay before us um that you get the glory out of what we do and I pray for my um brother as he goes in to preach your word I just pray that you'll be with him and that you'll step in front of him and that the Holy Spirit will work through him and that you'll use him to bring someone to Christ and that you'll use him to convey your word in an understandable way that someone will come to know you better. Um, someone will come to know you at all so that they can be with us in eternity, with you, that, which is our hope. Um, so I just continue to pray for this podcast, that you'll be with us as we continue to go. Every person that comes to, to um, do the podcast, I'm just praying for it. And I'm praying that you'll continue to use it for your glory and that you'll be glorified through all that we do. You'll be with us the rest of this day and that we'll look away from anxiety. We'll look to you and we'll look to just having peace and we'll look to just having joy and just being grateful and having gratitude for the life that you've given us and that we'll be good steward of those. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Amen. We out. All right.